in this series, we're talking about the core values that we have as, as followers of Christ. This last core value is so vitally important. It's it's marching orders that is, God has given us. It's it's like you know you see those old movies of those soldiers that are walking with with their their swords and their shield and they're walking the battle and they're hitting their shield their shield. Well, God has given us marching orders, and this is so well so vitally important for 2021 as followers of Christ. Have um, how many of you? Well, maybe I was going to say are, are happy that this whole political race is all over. Don't raise your hand. Anything people be cheering? Woo. But here's something that they did: the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, and they did so very well, is that they reproduced themselves, and and just enforced that they have done. And and in doing that, have you ever felt as as a parent, you 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 just wish that you could reproduce yourself, have more than just you, because you you have to be a parent, you have a spouse, you you have you have your job, you have your house, you have so many things that family is demanding of you, and you want to succeed at, at all of them, and and you feel like you can't. Or what about um, as a follower of Christ? Did you know? that we can reproduce ourselves. And not only can we reproduce ourselves well, we can be very successful in doing that. So I want to pray about that. I want to pray about uh, God just would bring our minds into captivity, if I could say, and, and that we will be focused to hear what the Spirit, what the Word of God is speaking to our lives as individuals. You ready to receive this? Are you ready to receive this? Come on, bring it on. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak into our lives this very morning. Let there come that excitement of knowing that this truly is a word of the Lord to the body of Christ. Let our minds be set fast upon you. Let us not only digest this of receiving it, but let it become flesh. Let it become part of our very being, and we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's talk about discipleship. Now, it's kind of interesting is that we often know about the Great Commission. Jesus said that we are to make disciples. But do you know what he didn't say in that? He didn't say converts. Not that he didn't want converts because you can't have a disciple unless you have converts. But, but in, that, in that great, great commission statement in the word in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says this, them, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Well, they were being obedient. That's good. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. I find that intriguing, don't you? The disciples. They, they went to this mountain as they were told to do, and they show up at this mountain, and, and they worshiped him. <laughs> but some doubted? How can you worship and doubt at the same time? That's intriguing to me. Then Jesus came to them and said, All. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all 
nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Say obey. 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 Online, say obey. It's okay to talk to yourself or you're by yourself, but you can say obey. Say it out loud. Obey. I heard that line, too. I don't think... To obey everything, not some things, everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. Boy, it feels like that, that we are living in the latter days. And what he's calling us to do is to reproduce ourselves. Now, as a pastor, there are two things that that are really one of the top priorities in my calling is one is to make discipleship understandable to you that you know what that exactly is two is that to equip you to do do the work of the saints to do that work so you ready get started this bible's open may some people have pens some have their apps open some are looking at their facebook's right now on that and by the way if you are if you like something i say post it right away you know don't wait just post it because people are going to look at it and say, wow, that's pretty good stuff. You're pretty smart. So just post that stuff. Spiritual reproduction is what discipleship is all about. First of all, I'm going to talk to you about what discipleship is not. Number one, discipleship is not a Christian education. You go, what? It's not about implanting information or, or for knowledge's sake at all. In other words, it's not just going to church or it's not just imparting information. It's not just learning things mentally. Although, that's part of it. We want you here. We want you understanding the Word of God. But that is not the end result of just gaining that information. And number two, discipleship is not cookies and punch. You're going to like this. Fellowship takes place in the church. Discipleship takes place out there, outside the church. It's not coming together to eat. It's not not good at at potlucks. And and boy, I I miss those. And and the last time we had a big, great feast together was, well, March 15th, 2020. And, And that was when we were celebrating Arlene and my 20th anniversary of pastoring this church. A whole year has has gone by almost already since that that time. But it's not about just that fellowship in the church. It's about taking that word outside the church. The the number two, well, number three is discipleship is not scripture memorization. Intellectual exercise is not enough unless it's life-changing. It's not just memorizing scripture so that we could quote it and let people see how smart we are. Listen to this. This is up on the board. You may want to get your phones out and take a picture of that and post it, whatever you do. But you see, discipleship is more than knowing God's word. Discipleship is living God's word. Let me say that again. Discipleship is more than knowing God's word. Discipleship is living God's Word. The, the question that I have for you this morning is, is this. Is, what do you do with those sermon notes? 
Do you even look them up? Now, I remember when we used to have bulletins and were cautious of passing things on to each other that we handle and that. So we put those sermon notes online. Do you look those up? Do, do, you, do you have those now before you, maybe, on your apps and you're watching the notes? And, and Well, there's a couple good reasons. One, it helps you to remember what's saying. The other thing is that as you're watching the notes, you can see when I'm getting close to being done, okay? <clears throat> but they're there, not just that you just have those notes. What do you do with them? Do you apply those notes to your life and live out what God's word is saying to you. You see, discipleship is not just imparting knowledge. What are we doing with what we hear on Sunday morning or, or Wednesday nights? What are you doing with God's word? Do we take it seriously? Do we know what, what, what God is saying to us? Well, here's something I want you to know. Have you ever read the word of God and and something just grabs a hold of you. You just can't get past it. It's just, this is, this is, God is saying something to me here. God has a word of the Lord for me this moment. Well, God had that word for me in John 7, 17. I've seen this many times, but the sequence of what was happening here just was illuminated to me. Here it goes. It goes, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Did you hear the sequence of that? Jesus says, listen, if anyone, any man, any woman, any individual to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether it comes it's of my own. I want you to notice, now this is just going to well, maybe shake up all your theology here, is that the will of God comes before understanding God's will. You go, what? What? Oh, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that if, if you want to know what God's will is, God's will is being obedient to that word in which you are reading today. Often what we do is that, that we want God to give us a, a one, two, three, five, ten-year um, um, will of God plan in our lives. We want to schedule. We want to see what happens here, there, and another place. We want to know exactly where it's going to be at the very end. And, and it's nice to have plans, but I want you to know as well is that if you knew where God is taking you sometimes, you wouldn't go. Because you look at that later and you're thinking, my goodness, I never dreamt that God would be having me do this. But when we are obedient, one step at a time. Some of you, you know, are very good at math and, and being, well, whatever you are in math and understanding trig and everything else. And, and, but, but you can't get there unless you learn to know that one plus one equals three, right? Wrong. What? That one plus one equals two. And we know that, but I have to know that before I could move forward. God says, I want you to be obedient 
on a daily basis. You be obedient. If you want to be obedient tomorrow, next year, and 10 years from now, be in the will of God, be in the will of God today. Apply that word to your life. What are you saying to me today? And be obedient within it. You know that the will of God is not something that I process and think about. It's not just studying. It's not just taking out a pen and writing down notes. But God's will begins to unfold within as we utilize it in our lives and as we start living it out. Now, here's something else that you want to take note of. Get your cameras out and get ready to post this. We become disciples of Christ as we begin to take God's word and do something about it. We become disciples of Christ as we begin to take out God's word and do something about it. Here's what I've learned in the decades of preaching. At the end of every message, I kind of ask myself two words. Well, it's a question with two words in it. It's not a big question. It's not a great theological question. It's just a question. The question is, so what? So what, Tom? You just preached a message. Then I asked, was there something that needed to be applied? Was there something that needed to be shared? Was there something that needed to be exercised? What I don't want is you saying, so what? What do you want me to do with that message? You have no clue where to take it, what to do with it. And if you're at that place and I presented that to you, what's going to happen is I didn't fulfill that work of the Lord in making disciples through the preaching of God's word because you have no clue what to apply. You have no idea of what to share. You have no idea what to exercise. Uh, I wonder what would happen if, if at the end of this message, I would say, okay, now I talked to you about what, what needs to be applied, shared, and exercised. I laid all that out before you. So what we're going to do is that we are not going to meet again until you do it. Now, some of you, I don't know when I'll ever see you again. Ouch. It's the idea is, is that what's the purpose? It's like a preacher who, who was um, candidating at a church. And he preached this great message. People loved it. They voted him in. Boy, we want to hear that kind of word Sunday after Sunday. About a month later, he came. He was their, now their lead pastor. He preached the same sermon. And you go, okay, he must have forgot. Oh, and I mean, a month moving and everything. And that. then the next week, he preached the same sermon again. Then the third week, he preached the same sermon again. So the board got together and said, if he preaches this thing the fourth time, that would be five times he preached the sermon, we're going to have a dialogue. And lo and behold, he preached the same sermon. They called the pastor and they went to talk to him and said, why in the world are you preaching that same sermon again and again? He says, why should I go on to something else when you're not doing what I shared with you in the beginning? Wow. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Do we take God's word serious enough to really apply it? All right. You have a good imagination? Okay, let's get this imagination juices running here, okay? 
what I want to do is that I want to bring a compared church to football. Hmm. Okay. How in the world are you going to do that? Well, here's what we're going to do. Get your imagination. I'm going to stop this service, and 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 I'm going to get some buses back there. And in fact, Cal, is there buses there yet? Is there any anybody? Is there any buses there? Oh. Not, not yet. Well, see, a couple of you looked. Now, I'm glad because that's a good imagination. Now, let's just say that I actually did that. We get on a bus. We go to State Farm um, Stadium, and we're sitting there. We're watching our football team ready to play. They, the kickoff is ready to go. Our team is receiving the ball. They're all out there, and all of a sudden, they call timeout. Time out. The game hardly even started. They're calling time out. They call time out. The whole team of the offensive team, our team, runs off the field, and the coach runs out there. He goes, what in the world is going on? Why is our team coming off? All the players and the coach is going out there. And they're saying, what's going on? They're yelling to the players. Players saying, well, the coach knows the plays better than we do, and he gets paid for it, so let him run the ball. So they kick off the ball. The ball flies in there. He catches the ball. Do you know what happens? There's these 11 guys running down the field. They're all the size of Mack trucks. They're running like crazy madmen, and they hit that coach. They all jump on top of them, that big pile-up. And you know what happens to that coach? He gets to see Jesus. They carry him off in a stretcher. Or, or maybe this scenario. All right, our team has a ball. It's getting near the end of the game. I mean, it's really getting close. We really need a big play. So our team gets out there. They get in the huddle. The coach is waiting. He sent them to play, told them what to do, and they're in the huddle. Let's call the huddle a special huddle. It's a holy huddle. See, what they're doing is they're talking about that play. Isn't that a great play? I love that play. Boy, that play is for this time, for this season, for the end of this game. I realize that this play is a perfect play that we can do to be able to win the game. And they just philosophy about that play. And the time is kicking off, ticking off on the game and wondering, why aren't they running the ball? Well, they like to talk about how marvelous that play is. That's what we do sometimes. Sometimes we want to talk about how marvelous that word of God is, but we don't do anything about it. No one is running the ball. No one is delivering that word of God and wondering what in the world is going on. Hmm. Here's what discipleship is. Well, why do you come to church on a Sunday morning? When I start teaching the Word of God, you get out your pen and paper. You, you write down all these notes. Maybe you're, you're one of those people that, that go back into that app and you look at the sermon notes because you want, want to be able to reread that. I, I even have some people tell me they take those notes and they use it as a devotional throughout the week to be able to say, Lord, what are you saying to me in this? You see... My desire is that we take that word and we apply it in real-time living. 
and making disciples. So let me give you what discipleship is very quickly. Three things. The Great Commission. It's a command, not a suggestion. It says in Matthew 28, 20, make not if you feel like or want to do, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching, teaching them to obey, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. You see, this Word of God, this Word of God is not a suggestion. It's not where I think I, I, I would like to be able to take that and, and, and I might want to do that. It is a command. You know that, that when we worship the Lord and, and the worship, man, I love the worship this morning. And that worship team did a great job. I love their enthusiasm. I love their passion for the song of what they're singing. You know that every song that they sang can be supported by Scripture. In fact, the writers of those songs, that they wrote those songs because of the Word of God speaking into their lives, and they put it to harmony. Now, listen to this. This is tough. Now, I love to worship. I love to sing. I don't have no voice, but I love to sing. And, and, I, love, and I love to sing to my wife. You know, poor thing. And I'm sorry, man. I love to sing my smoky. My, did that get higher? My, I love to sing my Smokey Robinson songs. You know, ooh, baby, baby. You know, but but if I didn't back up that song with actually loving her, that song would be meaningless. It would be voided out. You know, when we don't apply that word of God to our lives, those songs, those worship songs, those love songs, the scripture of which we sing back to the Lord, if we don't live it out, it's dead worship. Wow. That's, that's how serious. Worship is not a prelude to the sermon. The worship is Speaking that word of God, that prayer unto the Lord. We're speaking that scripture back to him and our heart's desire and our love and living it out. I'm able to sing that ooh baby baby to Arlene because I live it out. I adore that woman. I love that woman. I tell her every day that I love her. I tell her every day I'm proud of her. I tell her every day how amazing she is. I do everything that I can to be able to, to make her life joyful, to add to it. In that when I live that word of God out in a daily routine, that worship now is not some vain words that are cute, that has a great melody. It is a passion in which we sing unto the Lord. He wants us to take this word as not a suggestion, but a command unto our lives. Number two, multiplication through reproduction. In 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, we can't just add 
people into the body of Christ. I'm going to have one here, one there. We have to multiply in order to keep up with the population growth. we got to multiply. Listen to this. And the things that you have received, that which you have received this morning, that which you are receiving this morning, from me in the presence of many witnesses, that's the body of Christ. Those entrusted to the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He is saying to reproduce this word into people's lives around us. Number three, apprenticeship. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8. See, Jesus lived this out among the men. He invested in their lives. Paul said this to the Christians. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. Because we love you so much that we were delighted. I bring that discipleship. It is a joy. It's a privilege. It brings a delight in our lives to be able to share with you not only the gospel of God. Here it is. But our lives as well. It is being lived out before us. Been the people around us. I love that when we are able to do that. We have a precious couple in the church that have just gone through a great loss. And that I wanted to, I called them, I spoke to them, I was talking to the husband. He barely could talk to me. Just crying on the phone, being able to comfort them through this really trying, challenging moment in their Christian life. And then then I was praying for them this morning, and, and I wanted to talk to the wife and, 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 and sister, send her a text or something to let her know that I have a word of the Lord for her. So in my prayer early this morning, I said, God, give me a word of the Lord for this precious couple. Do you know what God said to me? God said to me, I want you to know that I know this couple. I know their great faith. I see their amazing prayer life. So I'm going to bypass you. And I'm going to tell them myself. I text them. I says, I thought I would like to have a word of the Lord for you. But the Lord says, because of your great faith and amazing prayer life, God has a word of the Lord for you today. Be comforted in that. And I have no doubt. Why? Because I've seen their prayer life being lived out. You see, there, there are two models of discipleship. The Greek model and the Hebrew model. The Greek model is this. We think of Socrates and Aristotle and, and Plato and these great philosophers. And they love to be able to sit down in enlightenment of the word and information that pleases the mind. But Jesus discipled according to the Hebrew word um, model. The Hebrew model is it is on the job training. What he did is that he took the disciples out with them, him, and he showed them. He lived it out before them. Let me ask you something. What do you possess spiritually that you could pass on? 
some of you are thinking, well, I'm kind of new to this faith. And, and I, I, I'm not really, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot to be able to give. And there's others that have been walking this faith for a long time. And you do have a lot to give. But let me ask, what is it? Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're new to this faith, but you're a great storyteller. You just love to tell stories. In fact, when you tell those stories is that there are people listening and you carry that story on longer and longer and you're, you're thinking, man, land this puppy, you know? But you're a great storyteller. Tell your story of your faith walk. Because people like that. And maybe, maybe you're just a person that gets all excited very easy over the simplest things. Use that excitement about the transformation of what God has done in your lives. I just, I, I just love to be around um, new Christians because they have such great, great joy. You know, it's, it's they, they're excited about anything that, that they, they can learn. And, and when you come alongside of them, you're saying, hey, I, I want to talk to you. I want to speak to you about, about the Word of God and, and, and help you in your growth. You know, you know what they say? They say, they go, holy cow. You know what that is? That's Greek. Hallelujah. You know? Is that they get excited because they have someone speaking into their lives. What, what I love about those new followers of Christ is that they have this excitement about, well, they, 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 love, they love to be able to get into that word because everything is fresh and new. You know what I love being around them? Because they'll come to me and they'll say, Pastor, Pastor, I read this. This is incredible. It's, it's found in, and I think, what is that, uh, John? John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Now, we learned that from childhood. I don't say, well, I knew that. I go, wow! Holy cow! <laughs> that is amazing! And they're because they are discovering something fresh and new and wonderful. When a baby just sees something brand new in their life that they have never saw in their life, their eyes light up. They go, wow, that is incredible. It's like the simple thing when, you, when you're doing boo to them. You put your hands over your face, in their eyes, in their mind, you just disappeared. And then you go, boof. And you go, ah! Well, I'm telling you something. When it's brand new in that word of God, there is that hallelujah moment. And as that disciple of Christ, you get the opportunity to come alongside and celebrate those hallelujah moments with those individuals. There is absolutely nothing like that. Listen to me, church. What happens, though, is that, well, we as, we as Christians, we, um, we, we get kind of used to this. In fact, what happens is that we say, well, been there, done that. Do you know what the problem is? Is that our problem as older Christians is sometimes we get a certain level and we feel that we have arrived. All of a sudden that we forget that our, 
obligation. Could, could I say that again, that word? Obligation. Our obligation doesn't stop at a certain spiritual level of our maturity of growth. Our obligation is to begin to take someone alongside of us and pour ourselves into them. Hmm. Because this is what he's called us to do. That's why people are passionate about teaching, about coaching about discipling because we have this opportunity to see someone grow in the knowledge and begin to apply that word in their lives. Let me say this in closing, and I'm going to take a look at an original blueprint of this discipleship because Jesus knew exactly how to do this so, so very well. And, and I'm going to use the acrostic of idea, Jesus' idea of spiritual reproduction. Number one, I, for instruction in real-life context. See, he got up close. He personally got involved in the people's lives. Not, well, uh, let me see, when I said, oh, oh, this is, this is good. Because, you see, I, I wrote this down. I didn't have this this morning in my notes, and literally I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget to tell you this. See, I, I know that, that we are to be socially distant, but he didn't ask us to be spiritually distant from each other. He wants us to connect with each other, to have that instruction in real-life context. D, for um, demonstration in real-life context. He loved to be able to show them what was happening. He did these, these parables. He, he talked about these. In fact, in these things, he was really incarnating. He was making something out of nothing or in bringing it to life, flashing that truth before us. Remember, remember when, when, when the discipleships, the disciples, they, they, um, they asked Jesus, said, teach us to pray. Why did they see that? They saw that being lived out in their, in his life, in the life of Jesus. And it was amazing. You, you ever be around someone who would just, they just love to pray? You, you almost, what to do is that you want to just come and sit beside them and listen because they have this dialogue with the Lord. And it's so intimate and so powerful and so precious. Well, disciples saw that. They heard it. And they asked Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Why? Because he demonstrated that. I want you to understand something, folks. Is that when you live that word out in your lives, people are going to notice it. And they're going to say, show me how you do that. How does that work in your life? How do, you how do you make it through that tragedy in your life? 
How, how did you get past that, that betrayal in your life and have such a wonderful spirit about you? They see it being lived out in real time. That's part of that discipleship matter. It's not just keeping it in here, gathering all that information, but living it out and before the world around us. E for exposure in real life context. It's where Jesus would take his disciples and he says, let's go out and try it. <laughs> you're thinking, I mean, you're asking me to do that? Yeah, I am. In fact, I could be bold enough to say I'm commanding you to do that. Because God's word is saying that. Go out and make disciples. It's not a suggestion. It is a command in their lives. And you're going to go, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if, if I could do that. It, it's like when, when Jesus was walking on the water and he's walking out to that boat and he looked at those fishermen in that boat and there's a storm and he's walking up a wave, down a wave, up a wave, down a wave, you know. And then, then, then all of a sudden he stands there and he looks at that boat and all of them are thinking, what is that? What is it? Then they recognize it's Jesus. And then Peter, that crazy Peter, he says, bid me to come. He goes, come. Now, Peter is a fisherman. There is no way in, under heaven that he should ever get out of that boat because he's about to drown in that storm. But Jesus says, come. And when Jesus said, come, he got out of that boat. And all of a sudden, that water became concrete. An amazing thing about this walk in Christ. He says, come. He says, go and make disciples. As difficult or challenging thinking, I can't do it. When you get out of that boat, that's when we're saying, Lord, I am trusting you in everything. And I promise you, my friend, he has never failed at anything that he has ever asked us to do. He is faithful. So I get out of that boat and I go. He's calling us to do this. Experience it. Try it. It is a hoot. It is incredible. When you start making those disciples. And then, A, for accountability or assessment in real time. You see, after these disciples went out, they came back together and they talked about it. We come back together and we talk about it. I, I love it when, when someone comes to me and says, Pastor, you know, you said last week and and I tried that. You know what, Pastor? It works. Dave Ramsey gets crazy up there when he's talking about finances. I mean, he's, you know, can you see that lion chasing the gazelle, you know? You know run for your life, you know? I mean, you get caught up because he understands. The practice of good money management is the word of God. And he is it because it works. This discipleship, getting out of a boat, it works. So they come back together and they talk. And they start talking about their experiences. Not only should we come to gain 
the knowledge of word on a Sunday or a Wednesday. We should be coming in and celebrating what God has done through the week, sharing with each other. You know what? When pastor said X, Y, Z, I tried that, and that God's word is true and faithful. I am so excited. I can't wait to see what else he's calling me to do. Because when we find out that this faith walk works, there is nothing like it here on earth. You see, if you understand church history, that you know that discipleship worked very good in the first 300 years. The church grew exponentially, multiplied one after another. Then in A.D. 13, 313, the Emperor Constantine made Christianity a state religion. And he said, wow, wouldn't it be great that we met? No, it would not be great. Because now it was an order. People didn't go because they desired. They didn't go because they felt the drawing of the Holy Spirit. They went because they were ordered to do it. Then people got into positions of authority there because they were ordered to do these things. And all of a sudden, they lost the passion. They were just going through the ritual of the routine. There was not that zeal. There was not that thrill of experiencing in real-time work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and touching people's lives and see what happened then is for that moment the church became well dead and we've been working ever since then to get this reproduction this discipleship thing back on track and and why is that well one thing it's that human nature we tend to drift into a comfort zone, the path of least resistance. There's a tendency for all of us to kind of coast, relax, and kind of lay back. And this is not what Christ is calling us to do. In fact, with the craziness of 20 and 21, I mean, I have, I, I can't imagine what I hear out there, what people bring to my attention. And there's a lot of legitimacy in, on every side of, uh, of someone's, someone's thoughts and ideas and passions. And they're all speaking about something. But I want you to know something. What's more important than anything else is the work of the kingdom of God and making disciples and changing lives. I believe that as a church, this is the greatest time in the history of mankind because people are searching like they have never searched before. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to go out and search in Google. What I want you to do is take the Word of God, open it up, and hear the Spirit of the Lord speaking the truth of God's Word into your life. And then you take that as the truth and you walk in obedience of that word and when we are doing that we can be world changers my friend secondly clergy versus laity <laughs> do, you know, do you know what 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 laity means in the greek it means common people there can't be anything further from the truth because a spirit-filled follower of Christ is anything but common. There is something that God can do because all things are possible through Christ. And, and, and I want you to know here at Chandler First, we don't have clergy. You go, what? 
No, we have clarity. Clarity is God forming us into his image of pieces of clay. And he wants to have no difference between those who are in that pulpit and those in those pews. We are all called to do that work of the kingdom of God. So I want you to stand with me a moment. As, as passionate as any teacher could be on any subject that they may be in process of doing. It could be a teacher at school, the universities. It, it could be a coach, a life coach, someone teaching someone how to cook. I mean, who doesn't like the food channel, you know? Uh, thinking, man, I want to do that, you know? And then, then I do it, and it just doesn't look like what they do, and I need more discipling. Well, I want you to know something, is that this thing of making disciples is discipleship works. Because we have a life coach that will come alongside of us that will never leave us and never forsake us. He is involved in our life every step of the way. So, there's, there's some of you saying, wow, Pastor, I, I really like the idea of it, but, but I need disciple before I could disciple someone else. I, I need to come to that, that awareness of God in my life because I haven't really been in tune to that. Do you know how simple that is to be in tune? to allow that life coach to begin to speak into your life. It's as simple of saying, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and lead me and guide me in all of your ways. Man, the angels of heaven are rejoicing. It's that easy. It's easy to just receive it. Asking and receiving. When you do that, it doesn't mean that you have to wait until you are ancient of days to be that disciple. Because out of the enthusiasm of your young Christian life, people are going to see that transformation happening. And they're going to say, wow, I want that. And, and then... What I would want you to do is that, that then as you are walking in a Christ-like walk, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, lead me to someone in this church that could speak into my life. Now, that may scare some of you because you're going to, someone's going to come up to you because they've been seeing your walk in Christ. And, and they're going to say, would you speak into my life? And you're going to say, well, I don't know if I could be qualified or I'm good at that. What you're saying is what the Holy Spirit said to that person is wrong. Wow. And I believe that as that spirit uh, person received that word of direction in their life and asking you, 
I want you to be obedient as that mature Christian in, in the faith and saying, I will do that. I will speak into your life. I will share God's word with you. We will sit down and talk. We'll Facebook each other. We'll Zoom each other. Whatever that you could do in connecting with each other. But you seize that opportunity because there is a work of the kingdom. He has called us to be able to make disciples of all men. He wants us to be that movers and shakers in a world that could not only change our world with thinking, I can't change my world. It's way too big. I think you can change your world, the world that you're around you. You students, you can change your high school. You can change your neighborhood. You can change your family. You can change your friends. God has a work of discipleship that he wants to use these willing vessels which he commanded us to do. And could you imagine what would happen if every one of us would take that one person and speak into their life what next Sunday would be like? It would be Easter multiplied by a thousand because we would be so excited because we see that this work works. Trust in him. 